We've got some more tours coming up in two weeks. Make sure you get there. How many people were, were at one of the tours? I see a handful of people that were here. How many would just by a round of applause would encourage other people to come see it for themselves? Even if you're all the way up here up north, uh, you got to come see it where our, God is taking our church and where we're headed. It's pretty amazing. And we are declaring kingdom come. This is a house of miracles. Amen. Hey, North, can we welcome the plaza right now as we're linking together? We love you very, very much. And those online, how about the men of Lansing Correctional Facility? Hey, we salute you and we love you very, very much. Hey, we, we, we coined the thought essential dad and dads are so essential. I see so many up here. I saw in the plaza in the first service, uh, just amazing pillars of faith and leadership in our church. And just, I want to say well done every dad that on your day, you made the Lord's house a priority. I love that. And I'm grateful for all the dads. Can we give it up for all the dads in the house? The best. And dads, dads are essential in life. Uh, the stats of fatherless homes are daunting, intimidating, and downright tragic. And I don't want to start on a negative, but I want you to see through the lens of the possibility to bring radical life change let me just speak to every man in our church by just being a dad that doesn't give up on the hard days and honors God and may works through some of the issues that you might be facing, how key it is that we keep raising up generational generation of men to lead the way. Fatherless homes are a four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to go to prison, more likely to have behavior problems, seven times more likely to have a teen pregnancy in the home, two times more likely to drop out of school. But I believe for every detriment, even if that is your situation, even single moms, there's a, there's a place called God's house. It's called the local church, that where if you don't have that dad relationship, we can be fathers and uncles and brothers in the faith to bring change and hope. Dads are essential to the kingdom of God expanding. If a child is the first believer in a home, there's a three and a half percent likelihood that the rest of the family will find faith. If the mother is the first believer, there's a 17% chance that the whole family will follow Jesus. But if the dad goes first, there's a 93 probability that his whole family will follow in his footsteps. This is why we take building a healthy kingdom, masculine culture with humility marked by servanthood, why we make it a priority. Because when we build stronger men, we build stronger families, we become a stronger church, we build a better city, and we change the world. Do you believe that? Can we give a little bit more? Just glory to God for all the great dads in this church. We love you so much. You guys can grab a seat. I think a godly dad, there's no perfect dad except for our good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's a joke only for the church people, which we don't have any in our church, which encourages me. I think dad, godly dads are real heroes. Psalms chapter 16, verse 3 it says the godly people in the land are the, the true heroes. We got a lot of fake influential, influential leaders out there in the world, but the true heroes are the godly folk. And God says, I take pleasure in them. 
I take pleasure in them. One translation calls them the, the excellent ones, those that excel at honoring God. And since we're talking about the essentials, Dad, I want to give you a few thoughts today around the title, The Essentials of the Exceptional. How can we, ordinary us, be exceptional in the world around us? And I'm speaking to dads, and I'm speaking to men, and I'm speaking to women, and everyone in between, because there's something exceptional about your life as a believer. You might not come from much at all. In fact, you might have grown up in a broken home, but your heart has been healed and it's continued to be restored and redeemed by the goodness of God. And what makes you exceptional is not your yesterday, it's right now decisions, because living on the inside of you is a different spirit. It's a spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It is something exceptional in your life when you are a believer that causes and calls you to live a life that's bigger than yourself, to be that one of those godly ones, one of those excellent ones, one of the exceptional people. As we can see in the world that we live in, normal isn't working and average isn't enough. We need to be the exception. God isn't looking for perfect fathers or perfect people. They don't exist apart from Jesus, but he will perfect those who are willing to think different, who are willing to live different, who are willing to lead different, those that are willing to be the exception. And if we have a city that is struggling and families that are falling apart, there's, you're going to be the exception because there's something exceptional on the inside of you. And we can bring radical world change when we own the opportunity and the grace of God not to stay where we're at, but to grow, to be the kind of exceptional people that are essential to kingdom come here on the earth in our church in Kingdom City and in Kansas City. Do you believe that? Will you join me in prayer? Come on, applause everyone online. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, I just thank you that we have some great dads in this house. We don't have any perfect ones, but you're perfecting that which concerns them. That through the last 11 years, we've had some faithful fathers serve, lead, surrender, encourage, give, that have led the way for us to be here. Great men and women, great moms and dads. And we have some great leaders being grown right here in this moment, not based upon what they've gone through or even the road that's brought them here today, but based upon your goodness and your grace that meets them right where they're at and it's gonna change them, gonna grow them as we go deeper into the word of God. Let it not just hit our ears, let it not just touch our mind, let it saturate our heart and bring real change. Lord, help us be exceptional in the way that we live and the way that we serve and the way that we love so we can bring more of your kingdom to this world. Because here at Kingdom City Church, God, we are contending and believing that we have this kingdom to build and a city to reach. In Jesus' mighty name, can I get a deep-throated, testosterone-filled Father's Day? Amen. Amen. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a good... I just grew a beard up here. So much test in the atmosphere. Oh, maybe you failed as a father. Maybe your father failed you. Maybe you failed as a follower of Jesus. To some extent, all of us have. Maybe you feel like you're behind. Maybe you've never had it modeled for you what a faithful father looks like. Let me tell you that your heavenly father, whatever the deficit is, your God has a design 
through his word, by his spirit, through his grace as well, to make up any and every difference. You don't have to try to escape your past, even if you come out of a broken home or even if you're in a broken relationship right now. God can meet you where you're at and you can start building right where you're at. Even if you're in a bit of a gap, if you're in a bit of a slump, if you just start where you're at, by the grace of God, he will grow you into places you can never get on your own. So if you start building where you're at as a man of God or even a woman of God, the deficit you're at right now actually only becomes a greater foundation for the future. And if you quit thinking just about yourself, but about what's coming after you, start building right where you're at, even if you're in a bit of a hole, and that becomes a holy ground. That becomes a place where God gets all the glory because he develops your life even in the deficit. And if we're talking about heroes or exceptional people, we've got a lot of examples to look at in the word of God. What we don't have to look at in the Bible apart from Jesus is perfect people. So we're just gonna say there's no perfect people allowed here. Uh, there are no perfect dads on the earth, but we all have a perfect father that cares deeply about perfecting that which concerns us. And if we're talking about heroes and exceptional people, let me just make it clear. We are not talking about Hollywood celebrity people or influences. I have no problem with Hollywood. Um, I just don't look to any of them as an example for my life because the last time I checked, every time you're hearing them, they're acting. That isn't who they really are. In today's age with the internet, with Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, anyone can be their own little mini hero and have the right take on everything, but that's just a little sound clip or video uh, of them pretending like they have all the answers. We have far too many influencers and far too few fathers. We, we, anyone can get influenced from anyone and it is cheap, but being a dad has a cost. Paul kind of says the same thing, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 he says, you, you got a lot of teachers, but not a lot of dads. There's a lot of people who want to tell you what to do. There's not a lot of fathers to show you the right way. One translation says there are a lot of people around who, can tell, who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. How many have had some of those people in your life? They just love to tell you where you're missing it. But Paul says there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help grow you up. Now, I consider myself a young dad. I'm 40 years old. I know what you're thinking. Gosh, he looks good for 40. I say, thank you for that compliment I just gave myself. <laughs> but as a father of three, I've learned some things. When we started this church in the movie theater on the plaza, I had exactly zero kids, and I thought I was busy. Now I know the truth that no one without kids is really busy. The truth is, having kids messes up everything, but it's the best of things. I've got living proof of kids messing up things right here on the iPad that my notes are on. It is a fractured screen right now because my daughter fumbled it. Well, why didn't you have a case on it, Pastor Kyle? Well, she's got a case on her own, but she was playing with my iPad and she broke it. Having kids is costly. And I've been doing it for 10 years now, but the thing is, I, I, I am the, the father voice in this house, and I'm not perfect at it, 
but good thing I have the word of God to stand on that speaks a whole lot louder than my, even my life. But I want to give you, I want to give you through the scripture today, some of these ex essentials of being exceptional, of being the exception to the norm. Because exceptional people, first and foremost, if you're taking notes, exceptional people take notes in church. That's actually not the point. That's just a cheap pastor gig right there. Exceptional people are willing to stand alone. Now, in our church, no one stands alone. We're in this fight of faith together. But when it comes to the outside world where real life, and by the way, real ministry happens, there's got to be people that are the exception to the status quo. The status quo of our society is not working. It's struggling. And so we need people that are willing. We need men. We need fathers. We need leaders. We need women that are willing to be able to stand alone when it's inconvenient, when it isn't popular, when it is all that exciting, because it's out there where we make a stand and it is not a stand against anyone else or in opposition of any person, but it's for the grace of God. It's for the mission of Jesus. It's actually for loving and serving and helping other people. And if we don't know how to stand on our own, we'll fall for anything. If I've made a mistake leading in this past season, it's probably not only one mistake, um, it definitely won't be my last one, but I think coming out of the, these last few crazy years of our world, I just kind of thought, okay, we need to kind of settle down. We need to just kind of regather. Let's not stir up too much attention. Let's kind of find our flow in the chaos of this world. Let's just, hey, let's just settle things down. And there is something about coming through an arduous season that we've all experienced where you need a time of refueling and a time of refreshing. But the truth is we can't just kind of settle down when we have a society that's on the brink, when we have a world that's falling apart, where we have a nation that at least on social media looks like it is headed for a civil war. It is not time just to fit in or to hide away. This is why Jesus says you're to be a city on a hill. You're to bring light to the whole house. You're to shine brightly the goodness of God to the godless out there. We need you to make a healthy stand. It is time for us to stand up, to stand out, to be the exception, to be exceptional for the glory of God and to step forward into the future of the faith. Because being exceptional isn't being elite. It's being a believer who brings heaven to earth. You don't become exceptional by doing what everyone else does. That's how you just live by the status quo of society. Exceptional people choose in inconvenience to go against the crowd, are willing to swim upstream, to go against the flow. You will never find a world changer doing what everyone else is doing. And if you didn't know, now you know you're a world changer. The Spirit of God living on the inside of you is the greatest force that's ever in the universe. By it, God created everything, and we're people of faith. And so we don't just go with the flow of everything around us. No, we choose to change the world around us. 
because we believe we're living for something bigger than just retirement and getting our kids out of the house. We're living for something that is of eternal weight that matters more than you might know. This is why it is so vital that you are the exception, that you're exceptional. Plenty of stories, Old Testament and new, of men and women of God that stood alone. And these people we now call heroes. They were not perfect, but there came something in their life, a situation, a crossroads of calling, where they were not just going to do the convenient thing. They were going to do the thing that caused, called some, for some courage. I think about the Old Testament example in 2 Samuel chapter 23. The, this, this man, warrior, who stood alone. It says these are the three most heroic men in David's army. You got Josheb. Josheb? What a name. Eleazar, the son of Dodo. If anyone has an excuse not to be exceptional, Eleazar did because his dad was a Dodo. Maybe your dad was a Dodo. You can still be exceptional. And Shama. Once during an attack, when all of Shama's men deserted him, he stood alone at the center of the field and by the grace or power of God beat back the enemy, the Philistines, and God gave him a great victory. Now it is highly doubtful you will be battling Philistines later this afternoon. It's highly doubtful that you're going to be in a physical, at least I hope so, altercation later this week. But the truth is you've got to fight a, a war, a battle every single day. There's all sorts of battles, even in our modern day Western American world that we as believers have to not shrink back, but we have to learn to stand even if it means standing alone. You're going to face moral values, battles. You're going to face battles that will come against your Christ-like character, want you to compromise in your actions or your behavior. You're definitely going to face some personal battles to keep following Jesus when it isn't fun. Emotional battles because life comes at you real quickly. Relational battles because um, relationships have a cost and they can be chaotic. And you've got to be willing to do the right thing, even if it means standing alone. But if you'll stand there, God will bring victory in your life. Exodus 23 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now, we are not believers. Listen, we are not the moral authority of the Internet. Our stand isn't for us to go attack everything that's anti-Jesus on the internet with our thumbs and our keyboards. If you feel led to share your voice and make your stand that way, go ahead. But you need to know that everything we speak when we speak the, tr the truth, the Bible says we speak the truth in love. And if your attitude or actions or behavior is to attack, but it's not to defend who you know God's called you to be, and if you could say a lot on the internet, but you never speak someone about it, someone face to face, you're missing the real courage of your calling. But we don't go with the crowd and doing wrong. We live different. Exceptional people are not built in the big battle. They don't just perform on the platform. They are developed behind the scenes. Think about King David, a man after God's own heart, not a perfect leader or perfect father or husband, but a man after God's own heart. But God developed him what seemed like in delay, and he was left out of his own family. He was the outcast of even his own brothers. 
forgotten in the field. And I just want to speak over someone's heart today, someone's life. Your past history has got a whole lot of hangups and you've been left out, even of what society, you've been left behind, even in life or even in your family of origin, maybe even from a fatherless home. But if you have been left out of the spotlight, it's because God is developing stronger character on the inside of you because he wants to build something that's lasting through your life. Even though David was left behind or left out, God's eye was on him. And God's eye is on you. And the intimacy that you can grow, even in the absence of opportunity, is actually strengthening you to stand in places that you would have stumbled without the God development. So every day of every week when you choose to stand, what you know God has called you to do or who he's calling you to become, and you demonstrate the character of Christ in situations, and you live differently, not by following the crowd and doing what's wrong, you're actually being developed as a man or woman of God for greater character because there's a bigger calling that's on your life. When you live kingdom first, you are the exception that we choose to show up and serve. That we just show up and honor God by giving him our first. When we choose to forgive people that ain't even sorry. When we do things that are inconvenient, but we know it's what Christ has called us to, we're being developed. And when we stand alone in those places, we don't grow weaker. We get stronger. We all have this deep desire to fit in, to belong. We all want, every one of us, we, we want to be accepted. And one of the enemy's favorite weapons against your life is like this just peer pressure to just look like everyone else, talk like everyone else, act like everyone else, go along with everyone else. I, I, we hate the possibility of being rejected. But again, if you do not stand for anything, you're going to stand for something, you're going to fall for, for anything. This is why it's so good for us to know, valuable for us to know, what does it really look like for us to walk in Christ-like character? What does it really look like to obey him when no one else is? What does it really look like to take a stand in a situation where everyone takes the slide into easy, you do what's hard? It's because when we do that, listen, we change the world. When you live for Jesus, you change the world. Romans 12, 2, it won't show up on the screen, but if you've been here at all, you know I love this verse. It says we don't look like the world. We don't fit into the culture of the world. We don't fit into everything around us. As believers, we don't succumb to, to what the world looks like. We don't fight on social media like the world does. We don't act like we got it all together like someone likes to posture and pose like they do. We're, we're real with our hangups and our issues, but we're really in love with Jesus. And so we don't conform to the world. The Bible says we actually change the way that we're thinking. We renew our minds and then we what? Transform the world. That you'll never change the world if you just look like the world. And as a church, we don't hide away from the world. We should be right in the center of every situation, of everything going on in civil government, and everything going on in, in community development. We as believers should be in every sphere of influence because we're the ones that are called and graced by God to bring radical change to the world around us. Psalms chapter 40, verse 4 from the message paraphrase says that you're blessed. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God and turn your back on what the world's sure thing is and you ignore what the world worships. This isn't a harsh criticism, but this, I believe, is a grace-filled challenge to just showing up to church, which I am so glad that you did today. 
but just showing up to church, my, 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 it's a healthy thing, it's a healthy habit for our heart, but if this is the only time your schedule, your life, your behavior, your attitude is different than the world is when you're in the four corners of our, our church home, and it's the only time you look different than the world, we need some development in your life. You need to learn to start working God's word into the soil of your heart so you can start producing some God fruit to the world around you because God actually wants to put on display those that choose to stand when it's not convenient. The Bible heroes of old all took a stand. Abraham stood against an immoral culture. Noah took a stand of obedience and had 120 years of ridicule. Daniel stood alone for his integrity of worshiping and honoring God, even in the lion's den. Esther took a stand alone to save the people, her own people that were at risk of genocide. Moses stood the challenge of the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and delivered God's people. Great things happen to those that choose to stand. God breakthroughs happen for those that choose to stand. And if your father ran out on you and you feel some of that insecurity and tension, man of God, let me tell you right now, if you choose to stand in that place, God will grace you in that place and you're gonna redefine the legacy and the lineage of your family because God just needs one to take a stand. And if that one, he can change the lives of tens of thousands that choose if there's just one that will stand. What about you? Can you stand alone when it isn't easy in the face of criticism, maybe even ridicule or rejection? If we're parents growing our, our, our kids in God's house and kingdom kids, can, can we stand and, and, and train our child in the way they should go? rather than just going along with what the world does. If you're willing to stand alone, like the truth is God will build something beautiful on the inside of you. I wanna to speak to dads, I'm glad that you showed up, but if you're not stepping into more involvement in church community, we are missing such strength and stability that you can bring. You might not even have kids right now, but you can be an uncle, you can be a father, you can be a big brother to the next generation, and you will not even know the kind of beautiful fruit and radical life change your involvement will bring if you choose not to live for yourself, but learn to lean in to loving and serving the rest of this church community as well. In fact, fathers, if you haven't been to Next Step, yeah, and you haven't joined that journey of getting grafted into this community. Today's the day to sign up and to show up because if you will change just showing up at church from time to time to strengthen the church with your, your life, with your gifting, with your time, you will see God do something great, not just through you, but also in you as well. We gotta be the people that are willing to stand alone. If we're gonna have the essentials of being exceptional, exceptional people choose to prefer others. We are just not about ourselves. Kingdom believer, you are not about yourself. Why? Because we believe people are the promised land. That's why we prefer others. Promotions aren't the promised land, and I hope you get a lot of them. Paychecks are not the promised land, and I hope you get a bigger one. The truth is it's people that are the promised land, and that's why we live to serve. And when we serve, we're exceptional. And if you want the essentials to being exceptional in, in your life, you learn to walk this road of humility. It is the high road, it is costly, it is sacrificial, and it is beautiful. And the life God will build in you and through you when you learn to prefer others is what he's created you because you're created in the image of God 
And Jesus is the visual representation of the unseen God. And what did Jesus do? He served. If you wanna know how to be more Christ-like, you don't have to look very far. There's lots of things in God's word, deep mysteries in God's word you can work into your life. But here's a really simple, shallow one. Just start serving other people. It's really easy to do, and if you haven't done it before, then you're living in a fractured place of your faith, but when you begin to prefer others, God begins to bring promotion on your life. So we choose to be exceptional and stand apart from the crowd and influence the world, because we don't live for ourselves, but we live for kingdom come. Exceptional people put the needs of others above their own. And I can look around the room just like I can on the plaza. And I can tell you the story of the last decade plus of men and women of God who were not perfect, that put the needs of others before their own and have built this church through their serve and their lives are better because of it. How do you know, how do you know if your life is matters or if it's, it's the great thing God wants of you? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 26, if you wanna be great, you must become a servant. There's no wiggle room in must. If you want your life to be significant, if you want it to be the exception to the norm, if you want to have an exceptional life, you live a life of a servant, not a celebrity. Celebrities look for everyone to meet their needs. Servants look to meet the needs of everybody else. Uh, if you want to be Christ-like, it doesn't mean you have to be spectacular. You don't have to walk on water. You just have to be a servant to be exceptional. Jesus said it like this, even the littlest thing matters the most. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, even if you give a cup of cold water, how many people think in the last couple weeks, a week and a half, in the Sahara Desert of Kansas City, we need a few more cups of cold water? I'm dehydrated right now, just thinking about the last couple days, so hot. He says, if you just give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I love that because when I think about the least, I think about kids. You know, right now, both locations, there's dozens and dozens of teams that are serving kingdom kids. Some of them even give up all the, the, the community hangs and the relational connections of church because they're choosing to serve. You know, we don't have this church facility. We don't have the lights on or the camera being operated or sound or parking, all that stuff without people that choose to serve. And the littlest thing that they do for the kingdom of God has a reward called greatness. You'll be rewarded. God does some of his greatest work through unsung heroes. Now, Proverbs 31, we all know, is about the exceptional woman. But the first nine verses or so of that chapter is actually written to sons. And I want to share one. It's just a, a special category that you're gonna to need to take ownership of the opportunity in your life if you want your life to be exceptional. Proverbs 31, verse eight, speak up for people who cannot speak for themselves. Protect the rights of all those who are helpless. Speak for them and protect the rights of the poor and needy. Look around at the margins of the marginalized. Be an advocate for people that don't have voice. Be generous to those who are in poverty. Bring help to those that are hurting. I believe this access granted to heaven is made available by the gift of Jesus Christ. But your gift and your voice and your courage to help people who cannot help themselves will make sure that your eternity is a beautiful one. I think you need validation from the poor and the needy for you to have everything that God desires for you to have in eternity. 
I'm preaching a little bit better than the north location is letting on, just a little bit. And so they're going to, because they're men and they're encouragers, they're going to rise up and encourage their pastor today. We got to help other people. Every one of us needs a place, listen, as a believer, every one of us needs a place of consistent participation in helping the poor and the needy, the overlooked and the unloved. Because when you help just your friend, you know that your friend is going to help you back. But when you help someone who cannot help you, this is what I love about the House of Hope. Right up here in our north location, just this Friday, we helped hundreds of people have, people have meals and just told them that we value you, we love you right where you're at. Our south location will eventually, in phase two of the build-out, it'll start out with the big house of hope, and then it's going to have a massive house of hope. Because we believe that people are the promised land. We chose not to secure things for ourselves, but to serve people around us. And we choose to help people that can never do anything for us in return. Are we willing to stand? Are we willing to serve? And the final one is this. If you want the essentials of being exceptional, is exceptional people take risks for God. They, they, they have this thing called faith that makes us take a step of faith. Faith without works or a corresponding action is a dead faith. When's the last time you risked for God? By playing it safe, you will never see the exceptional life that God has for you. In Hebrews 10, it says there's people that, that shrink back and, and then are destroyed, but not us. We're the people that have faith and are saved. It says, don't belong. We don't belong to those that shrink back. The DNA on the inside of you that's been given to you by God is a person of courage. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you don't have a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. One translation says, you're not timid, you're bold. And you might have been timid up to this point. You might have not risked much in your life for the calling that's on your life. But the spirit on the inside of you is not one of timidity. That is something you got from, from, from nurture or from mistakes or from shortcomings or from failures in your life. But the truth is you don't have to carry that anymore. That is not the spirit that we hold. We are people that choose to take a risk for God. God put a natural desire in us to risk. It gets beaten out of us in life sometimes through mistakes or failures, even words of others. That's why some of us, we have a... I say us, I'm not one of these us, just so you know. A propensity for gambling, because we like the risk. Adventure sports, y'all can keep doing that. I'm 40, I'm getting too old. Golf is as adventurous as I get. But we, 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 we like to win. We like to, we like to get involved when the stakes are high. I'm gonna speak to men for a moment. This is not me tearing down something that might give you a little temporary relief or some enjoyment in your life. Like, this is why video games are so prominent, even my generation. It's like, you get all this little adrenal surge, but no real cost. You can just hit the reset button and, and play again. I'm not against that. But if that's the only adventure in your life, is you and your bros on your little thing, just like shooting other fictitious characters of people halfway around the world, let me just say, you need something more than that. There's a big broken world out there and on the inside of you is the, is the grace of God. And by the grace of God, your hands are healing hands. Your voice is a voice that sets the captives free. And so when we learn to, to walk in courage and to risk every once in a while, risk out of our insecurity and do it anyway, we're, 
we're opening opportunities and avenues for God's grace to reach people who are far from him. The believer, I'm gonna speak to the men culture, we need to keep creating this culture of courage to keep challenging and, and, and stoking the fires of fervency to live a life that's bigger than the one that you're living by loving people even when it has a cost. You know, I quit playing baseball after my sophomore year in high school because I had to focus on my hoop dreams. Why y'all laughing? How did the hoop dreams work out? No comment. But one thing about baseball, I never, listen, I never allowed a called third strike. I am not trusting the umpire with my opportunity. I would swing two strikes. I am swinging at anything and everything that looks like it's close. Now, my sophomore year, I did not lead my team in batting average because I swung at anything and everything that looked like it's close. But I did lead my team in hits. Humble dad brag up here because I'm the pastor. Because I just decided, like, how boring is it just to wait for every pitch to go by? I'm going to take a swing. I failed many more times than I succeeded and yet, I got the memories of actually being on base, of crossing home plate, that I'm glory days bragging about to you right now. I wonder how many times you just sit there waiting for a perfect scenario, waiting for everything to easily line up, how you just keep taking whatever life is coming at you and you never respond. I'm not speaking about risk. I'm not speaking about leveraging everything in your life for just one opportunity. I'm just being aware that God opportunities normally have a cost. In fact, they always have a step of faith, a step of risk for you to, to step into. And we're going to swing and we're going to miss sometimes. But don't fail from a fear. Don't fail in life for a fear of failing in one moment. Because why? Failure isn't fatal and it isn't final. And you're never a failure until you give up. And some of you have given up on some things because you were afraid you were failing. It is time to risk again. I think it's a great verse for us. Proverbs 24, 24, verse 16. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The beautiful thing about that verse is our righteousness is not of our own. It's a gift that we receive through Jesus Christ. And Proverbs the Old Testament, righteous was about your right living. But now as believers in this new covenant world we live because of Jesus, we've been made righteous in God's eyes. So even when we've had hangups of addictions or poor character or mistakes, God still sees you through the lens of the finished work of the cross and you're a righteous son, you're a righteous daughter. So if you failed and you failed and you failed and you failed, guess what? Not by your own strength, but by the grace made available to us through Jesus Christ. We get back up. And some of you have fallen over and over again. Nobody goes through life with all W's and no L's. But you have to risk sometimes in order to receive that blessing, that payoff, that progress. God uses even your failures, even the L's. When you get back up to show you how good his grace is and show off on your life. If you failed at being a dad, get back up. If you failed at being a husband, get back up. If you failed at being a leader, get back up. 
failed at just self-leadership of your life, get back up. You're a righteous son or daughter of God. If you failed in your faith, hey, we all have, get back up. Because God is not limiting you to your past mistakes. You failed in addiction, get back up. God's gonna give you the grace and the strength to get free. Jesus says in Luke chapter 19 from the message, risk your life and you get more than you've ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you're left holding the bag. Take the risk. Because you, even if you fail, you aren't a loser. You're a leader. Leaders take risk. I don't have time to get to everything else I want to share with you today. But let me tell you, Apostle Paul took a lot of L's. A lot of L's. Betrayed by friends churches that went crazy. We think we got craziness in the world today. It's been going on for 2,000 plus years. He had people betray him. He had people attack him. He had tried to get places. He'd been in three shipwrecks. Come on. The dude took a lot of losses. And yet he kept going. He kept risking. He kept having rejection and even physical pain. He'd been whipped. He'd been beaten with rods. He'd been stoned. He'd been attacked. And yet he kept, he kept going. And if you ask him why, he actually shares with us in scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, why'd you take all those enormous risks? Even when you had so much resistance and so much rejection and so many losses. He says, and why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? He says, I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection church and mine? It's already been guaranteed by the resurrected Jesus. Do you think I'm trying to act heroic? Not in your life. It's the resurrection that it strengthens me. It undergirds what I do and what I say and the way that I live. Apostle Paul says, I'm not looking at my failures. I'm not looking at rejection. I'm not looking at the pain. I'm not looking at the problems. I keep stepping into the risk in order to make God progress. Why? Because my eye is not on the problems and it's not on the yesterday. It's on the future that is eternal. I've got a risk right now because the reward lasts forever. There's something greater that's coming. So we get our eyes off the problem and off our past performance and we get our eyes on eternity. And this is why as men in this church and as why fathers in this church and as leaders in this church, we risk again. Even when life hasn't worked out well. Why? Because we know there's a reward in heaven and we know we need to influence as many people as possible to get there. Jesus says in Mark 8, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find what? True life. If you want to experience true life, some of you are bored in life. Welcome to the adventure of the kingdom of heaven. It is not one day win. It is right here now. Every time you serve, every time you stand up, every time that you love, every time you keep showing up, even in the midst of disappointments and delays, you're bringing heaven to earth. On this Father's Day, I got to think about my dad. My dad, let's give a shout out to Mark Turner, probably watching right now. I love you, dad. I love you so much. My dad was very successful, late 20s, early 30s, very successful. He was a real estate developer. And I, I remember seeing the pictures, even my older brothers, like they grew up with the lake house and they grew up with the boat. And my dad always got like a new Corvette every year. And I came along and we didn't even have a Corvair. But anyways, I ain't mad. 
Uh, but my dad was successful. And yet God was stirring him for something more. He knew he was called to ministry and he avoided it, he ignored it. And sat in church, was faithful, was like a pillar in his church, but knew God wanted to preach and teach and lead. And so in a season of talking with God, of fasting and of prayer, he felt God called him to leave that thing, leave that career and pursue seminary education to pursue more. He left all of that what we would call success and stepped into something of kingdom significance. Now to this day, 45 years later, all three of his sons are, are preaching right now. I mean, my big brothers aren't preaching as good as I do, but whatever, that's okay. <laughs> and although we might not have the Corvette, there's nothing wrong with having a Corvette. He's got three sons, my sister and her great family, all living for Jesus. It's very beautiful. But one moment of surrender, one moment of risk, what kind of reward? We would not be here 45 years ago. My dad didn't make that decision to be all in. Jesus says it this way, the risk has a reward. In Matthew 19, anybody who sacrifices home and family and fields, whatever, because of me, will get it all back 100 times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. That does not mean that every dad in here needs to quit your day job, not at all. Definitely we ain't quitting family. Don't quit on the fields, don't quit on the family. It just means you put it on the altar. That's what sacrifice is. It's something that you decide to put on the altar before God. In other words, it's like, I've got it, it's mine. And all of us, any maturity in the faith, no, nothing really is ours anyway. It's all been a gift from God anyways. And so we take that acknowledgement and says, hey, God, you go first. My, my family, you go first. My faith life, my finances, my future, my career, you go first. I put it up on the altar. We turn it over to God for his glory. He gets to go first. And if there's any area of your life you have not given over to God, this is your time. I would say 99 times out of 100, you ain't gonna quit your job. You're just gonna find calling even in the midst of your job. Why? Because you're a person that stands, and you're a person that serves, and you're a person that risks. And you're learning to take any place where you've been in control and turn it over and put it on the altar before your God who gave it all for you. So what do we do? We risk in our relationships. If you have a friend, I'm speaking to the men, you have a friend that's far from God, a real buddy, Bible says real brothers are born for times of adversity. In other words, you need to share with them the love of God that has changed your life. We risk in leading our families. As much as maybe we've given that right away over to mom or someone else, we're gonna learn in humility how to grow in the things of God and the word of God and the ways of God. And we're gonna start living by example. And you might feel like you're so far behind. Trust me, God will make up all the difference. There's an area I'm gonna challenge all the men in our church. We're gonna risk in worship. Like I see some guys that worship with passion, but I see a whole lot more ladies that do. And well done girls, good on you. But guys, if this is your normal posture in worship, look, I know that might be the culture you came out of and that might be what you feel in the moment, but faith doesn't live by feelings. In fact, if you go deep enough, you'll start feeling this unbelievable gratitude to God and you'll begin to 
express your love for him. In fact, why don't we take a moment to do that? Why don't you stand your feet on the plaza up north? We're gonna risk for a moment. We're gonna worship with passion. If your normal comfort level has been like a four on the passion scale of one to 10, let's go to a seven today. Like if you got the one hand in and the side sway down, if you clap, even if you clap off beat, that's cool. But we're gonna give God a little bit more than that. We're gonna risk. This is the smallest little example and the smallest little stretch I think will start you on this step-by-step -step season that you are not playing it safe when it comes to going after God anymore. You're gonna be the exception. Maybe in your family, you're the first dad to be alive in the faith or to make church a priority, well done. But there is still more for us. We're gonna be men that are worship leaders in this church, even if we're sitting in the back. We're giving God our best, and we're giving God our all. I am speaking to exceptional men and women, not because of what you've done, but because of what God has done for you and the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. Let's be people that choose to stand. Let's be people that choose to serve. Let's be exceptional in the way that we surrender, in the way that we stretch, in the way that we sacrifice, in the way that we risk, in the way that we serve our God. Let me pray for you, then we'll sing. Father God, I thank you. First and foremost, every dad in the house, every dad watching, I speak to the dads right now at Lansing. They're in such a painful season of life. But Lord, I thank you. You can redeem any situation and you can change every scenario. That even when they might feel left out of their family, God, you're still gonna give them ways to lead and serve and love them well. To the men of our church, to every leader, every woman in our church. God, I thank you. We're people that stand for what's right. We're people that serve anybody and everybody. And we're willing to risk because, God, you took a risk on us. Why we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, hoping for the opportunity for us to receive this gift of salvation. And now as believers that have received it, we respond to you by worship. We're willing to risk. We're willing to get a little bit rowdy in church because we have a viewpoint of eternity and the God that saved us from when we were lost, now where we are found. And from that place of gratitude, we glorify our God in Jesus' mighty name. Do you believe that? Can I get an amen? Come on, let's glorify him even before the music plays. Let's exalt our God. Let's risk a little bit in worship today. Let's give him our best. We are your people. You are our God.
space and sanctuary to the person next to you by bowing your heads and closing your eyes because we're gonna respond to Jesus in this moment. There's maybe someone here in the room today that needs to really surrender. As we re-surrender together, maybe today you need to surrender your life over to Jesus and invite him in as your Lord and Savior in the first place of your heart. Or maybe for someone it's re-surrender time. I was living for Jesus. I was following him in another season, but today I want to re-surrender. And I just want to read this verse from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. On this Father's Day, we're reminded that, like Pastor Kyle said, throughout that amazing message, maybe you didn't have a perfect father growing up. Really, none of us had a perfect father growing up, but we have a perfect father in heaven who paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice for our lives, not so that we could come to church and not so that we could do a checklist of spiritual disciplines, but so that we could have a personal relationship with Him and, and live for Him as best as we can, rooted and grounded in that love. And so today, maybe you need a reminder that you can't work for God's love, but freely He extended it to you and He sacrificed Himself on the cross and rose again three days later. There's grace for you today. You have a Heavenly Father that loves you so much, that has a purpose for your life, and we're gonna respond to that right now in this moment. So with no one looking around, if if you say, hey Landon, I, I wanna give my life over to Jesus. I wanna have a new revelation of that love. I wanna, I wanna leave here different than I came in, inviting Jesus into my heart. Or maybe, like I said a second ago, you used to do that, but something separated you a little bit from God today. Life got busy or life got hard. It's time to re-surrender your life over to Him with no one looking around, if that's you, so I can know who I'm praying for, would you just lift up your hand all around this room and say, hey, I'm leaving here as a Christ follower. I'm surrendering my life over to him. That's awesome. I see one hand, two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands. Come on, can we give it up for them? That's awesome. You can put your hands down. What an amazing moment. We're gonna pray together, so. Church family, would you pray with me and support those that are maybe praying this for the very first time? And if that's you, if, if you're praying this and you're surrendering your life over to Jesus, pray it full of faith. Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Today I surrender. Today I surrender. All of my life over to you. All of my life over to you. I'm leaving church today. As a Christ follower. As a Christ follower. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate one more time?